You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. So what I would just say is that I believe in making the artist part of it. Part of the family, so to speak. If you're going to grow together. Now, sometimes we do artist development deals with small-time artists. And sometimes you go get a huge established artist that just kind of has an instant fan base. It's that's why the deals are always different. You tailor. I don't. I there's a template, but I don't just here's the template. Go. I tailor it to each person accordingly. So I'll tweak this, tweak that, tweak this, tweak that. So I have to kind of tailor it to the artist. But I ultimately want them to be part of it long term. That's kind of the idea because it's a branding thing more than anything. And if you the band or the artist becomes synonymous with the brand of the equipment and vice versa, then it kind of becomes a like a synergy thing where it just ex- exponentially grows over time. I think that's that's the way to go. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and trust me when I say, if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a show to go to, well... Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on so many shows all year long, and they are all simply bangers. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves extreme metal, well, let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you're to encourage one of your metalhead friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now today in the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Mike Marino of Audio Technica. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 431. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be back with my very, very good friend, my longtime friend, Mike Marino. Uh, we have talked before. You were on an origin story, Matt, episode years ago. Uh, I've been meaning to have you on the podcast multiple times since then, but it just never came around. Uh, now we have an absolute reason to have a conversation because you are working for Audio-Technica and you hooked up both Cryptopsy and Vox and Hops uh, with an endorsement deal uh, with Audio-Technica, and I'm very stoked about that. Mike, how you doing? Doing good. Happy to be here, man. Finally. Hell yes, Hell yes finally. <laughs> After 400 episodes, you yeah. don't get to... All it took was free gear. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You've discovered my <laughs> my my secrets. Yes. We are uh, recording this uh, very close to my house at the microbrewery that's actually closest to my house. We are at Melon, um, right near Jatalon Street. Uh, we are drinking their light check lager. Uh, it's called Tout Léger, Tout Léger, which is uh, very light, very light. Uh, Cheers. Cheers, man. Back history first for people that don't know who we are. We've known each other for over 20 years. You are basically the reason that I play in Cryptopsy. I truly believe that had you not called me after I fell out of uh, Nyxtasm. Nyxtasm, yeah. Exactly. That hypothetically I would have never gotten back into a real band. So, So you 
found me, called me, got me into Three Mile Scream. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff with Three Mile Scream together. Uh, now you are working in gear. Uh, you're working in Audio Technica. Talk to me about how you fell into the world of working with gear. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, basically, as you as you'll recall, in the band, I always managed stuff and everything yes, like you that, did. right? And did all that stuff. So, kind of took that experience and all those years of that. Plus, I was always a gear freak, talking gear and getting excited about equipment and this and that. So, I just kind of married the two aspects, and here I am. And I uh, did a fry bin as before, as you know. And then, uh, of course, you know, still playing and with other bands and toured with other bands and stuff so it's kind of just it's just all it's all that but i do remember saying one way or another i'll always be in this business and from that day it never changed so that is the truth you, you used to work in like music stores and then you've just being such a um smart individual and good with people uh, you just basically kept meeting people and getting better and better jobs and climbing up out of um, rental departments and music stores uh, to becoming a rep uh, for Ibanez and now Audio Technica. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, wow. Well, that's kind of like a, a summary, I guess. I mean, I just kind of clawed my way through it, basically, is what I did. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like, it's because I'm still a musician, right? I mean, a lot of guys just throw in the towel, give up after a exactly, while. Exactly. Yeah. Even guys that are very well established do that. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not in me. It's not in my genes. It's not in me. It's not in my bloodline. It's not who I am. So I kind of have no choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do still play. Uh, you play bass. Yeah. Um, you were the bassist of Three Miles Scream. You still play bass. Talk to me about some of the other projects you got going on. Currently? Uh, well, there's, I'm doing the Born Broken. So that's, you know, still playing the heavy, angry shit. Uh, actually just recorded with your guitar player as, uh, you know, it's been quite a long procedure, but it's coming along. It sounds really good, and I'm excited for the album to finally come out. And then uh, as well as that, I play in a cover band called Retrograde, and I'm also playing in a kind of a classic blues rock project with some older dudes with my buddy Mimo, and they're called Mimo's After Show. And so there's that too. So those are the three things I got going right now. And then, busy, busy as boy. well as the work. And then, of course, after Three Miles Scream, I was in The Catalyst, too. I should mention that. And I toured with them for many years. So. Correct. And I did so, some vocals for them yes, for a while, yes, too. Yes, you did. Uh, talk to me about uh, Back to Born Broken. Um, I've heard some of the material. It's fucking good. Chris, Chris, uh, show me some tracks. Uh, it's got some machine head vibes. It's got some some slipknotty vibes. Um, bring bringing back the 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 aggressive American wave of metal. Kinda. It's kind of like that Chimera era. You know what I mean? Exactly. Chimera, Slipknot, Machine Head. A little bit of Soulfly in there sometimes at moments. Sepultura, kind of that. All that stuff that we kind of you know a bit of. Maybe some Fear Factory elements too, but it's all just kind of that kind of Bay Area thrash kind of thing, which is my stuff pretty much. So, you know, I've just kind of and Mike, you know, Mike does. He's a great, he's a great riff writer and this and that. And he's he's definitely, uh, you know, I think he's finally getting to do stuff that he where he can let loose more. I think that in the past he was trying to maybe follow certain trends or certain like you know what i mean but i think which that, is always a dangerous thing to do you have to yeah use. but it was great but i feel like he's just let loose on this one and that's why it seems like way more 
granular. He's also come back to vocals. I've known Mike for a long time. Mike Decker, of course, we're talking about. Uh, he used to be in Dilute the Poison. I remember seeing him perform in a church because that's where you could play at that point in time. And uh, he was doing vocals there. He's back on vocals now. We won't get into the whole story, but he's killing it on vocals. Sounds great. He really brought his A game, man. And like, there was a bit of a, a situation in the studio and Mike stepped up like instantly and killed it and actually made it 10 times better. Yeah, and, so. it's, and Born Broken being such his identity, I see it as. It's cool that he's showcasing it now. Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of just let loose now, you know, which is good. And Un- he, unchained. He should, he should, yeah, exactly. So it's good. It's good. And Carlos is a fantastic drummer. Super easy to work with. Me and him get each. We're very on the same wavelength. Like we come from the same place. So me and him lock in like super easy. Very. I really like the guy. He's super cool. Back to gear. Uh, Cryptopsy. We're very excited. Uh, something that we've been working towards for a very long time. A goal, especially coming from Christian Donaldson. Him working in audio. He absolutely wanted in-ear monitors. It's something that he's he strived for. He wanted to build a whole show. Uh, he's that type of guitarist that you love being in a band with because as soon as you step off stage, he'll list out the one, two, three, four mistakes you made that night. Always appreciated. We we definitely don't annoy. It's not annoying at all. No, of course uh, not. <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that hears everything. So so it's something that he strives to have. And with your help with Audio Technica, now we're there. Uh, we practiced last night. Uh, we were getting ready for Carnival Death Tour. Uh, very excited to finally have leveled up the band. Talk to me about uh, these products and 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 how you know like like what what Audio Technica what do they do better than other companies? I mean, uh, the whole thing with Audio Technica is that they take it's a very analog approach in a lot of ways. Like, uh, yeah, we have digital, and we're not like in the Stone Age per se. But it's kind of an analog thing. That's kind of the, the approach. So it, it tries to maintain a certain level of like organic integrity, whereas some of these other ones can come across a little cold, no character, kind of very generic sounding. So this is a kind of it's attenuated to have its own sound, which is cool. Uh, outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of cool features to go, that go with that. Like there's certain softwares that where you can go in and kind of analyze the room that you're in, and it very finds cool. the best it finds the best frequencies. Very cool of the room. It's kind of like a spectrum analog. Nice. So we got like the best, freshest, uh, undisturbed signals in any room, no matter what. Yeah, you got to go room by room for that. You exactly. know, when you get there and it, it kind of just scans the room and picks out optimal frequencies. Amazing. Yeah. So, and plus, you know, that's also helpful in the fact that when, uh, as these frequencies get outlawed over the years, you want to definitely grab the ones that are oh, available. Yes. So, this is also a very big, because as long as you update it, it stays updated. And then you, you know what I mean? So it won't give you a frequency where all of a sudden you're getting arrested on stage like certain bands did on <laughs> oh, tours. Is that true? There are some stories out because, there. Because yeah. they're using like... Um, Military frequencies. Yeah. That's wow. like a That's like a federal offense. Holy shit. And the band is like, I, I just did an update my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know. So a lot of those older systems, you uh, people actually had to come and like trade them in to get newer ones because of the uh, frequency, certain frequency ranges only in certain units. Amazing. So, yeah. I'm also very stoked I'm using it right now because we're out of this podcast studio. I'm, I'm not in my kitchen table, basically, where I typically do Zoom. We're doing this live at Melon. So I'm holding this brand new mic that I just received, and I'm very stoked for First interview with you with it, which seems fitting. Uh, talk to me about this mic. Uh, first reaction I had with it last night when I jammed was uh, it's extremely lightweight.
like weight. How does that make you feel? I feel strong. Makes you feel like a man? <laughs> finally. Well, finally. It's good. Now that peach fuzz is going to grow in yeah, a little fine, bit. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, like, I see a couple of strands. <laughs> Talk to me about this. What's going on with this, Mike? Compared to, I, I always use a Sennheiser. I've used Sure in the past. Well, this is the Artist Elite series, right? It's 41. It's meant to be rugged. It's meant to go out on the road. It's meant to take a beating. It's a workhorse. I like that. It's a workhorse. Yeah. You know what I mean? The capsules get is has got like a really wide range of frequencies it picks up. It's a dynamic microphone, so it's not you know it's not a condenser, so it's not going to pick up some guy farting in the next room, which is a Love good thing. It. That was important for the podcast because I knew that I, when I go out and do things like this, I don't want that. Yeah. As we recorded, start recording for you, like Matt, there's a baby crying over there. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, from experience, I know it's not going to be a problem with with mics like these. Right. And then the other mic I gave you, which is like for the kind of sit down podcast Correct. situation, that's the AT twenty forty. That's a dynamic mic too. Yeah. That's kind of like, let's say a lower. Uh, wow, well, it's like an equivalent of the SM7B of sure, which is like the mic. The mic. Yeah. That's the one like Joe Rogan uses, and all these guys ever use. Yeah, it's a dynamic mic. It's meant for. It's specialized for like podcasting and stuff like that. Very stoked to start recording episodes with that. Um, uh, leveling up. You, you've really helped the band level up, and that's something that I truly appreciate. Talk to me about um, doing endorsement deals, about uh, the company's mindset, uh, about not like why Cryptopsy, but why do companies such as Audio-Technica do endorsement deals with bands? Well, I mean, there's different reasons for different companies, right? They all have different strategies. Some of them are really into this kind of influencer marketing. Me personally... Not really so into that. I mean, I see its value, but it's also very transactional. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it feels like I'm going to go and I'm going to give you X, Y, Z, whether it's money or equipment, you're going to say this is the best. And then next week you're saying it about my competitor. Correct. So I'm not really into that. To me, that's like, I won't say it on the podcast, but it, it, it brings a very uh, inappropriate situation to mind. <laughs> so, the, so what I would just say is that I believe in making the artist part of it. Yeah. Part of the family, so to speak, if you're going to grow together. Now, sometimes we do artist development deals with small-time artists, and sometimes you go get a huge established artist that just kind of has an instant fan base. It's that's why the deals are always different. You tailor I don't I there's a template, but I don't just here's the template go. I tailor it to each person accordingly. So I'll tweak this, tweak that, tweak this, tweak that. You know what I mean? I mean, I can't give Brian Adams the same deal that I give the guy that plays Joe's Grill. You know what I mean? <laughs> Correct. So, so I have to kind of tailor it to the artist. But I ultimately want them to be part of it long term. That's kind of the idea because it's a branding thing more than anything. And if you, the band or the artist becomes synonymous with the brand of the equipment and vice versa, then it kind of becomes a like a synergy thing where it just ex exponentially grows over time. And I think that's that's the way to go. Well, we're very stoked. We're very proud to be associated with Audio-Technica. Um, it's just the beginning. Uh, we're excited to continue this journey. Uh, I appreciate you uh, going above and beyond to help us out, um, setting up everything, getting it all sorted. Um, I've known you forever, and, and it, was, it was a very nice, easy relationship because I've known you forever. How does it work typically with people that you're not directly associated with? How do, how do you come into contact with artists and set up other deals, endorsement deals? Look, it depends again on the, like when I was working for Ibanez, it was guitar players and bass players. That's kind of where it stopped. There's, 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 yeah, it's like a, it's a guitars box. and basses, right? So you did. With this type of gear, 
it's a way bigger, versatile situation. Yeah, because Audio Technica is also very, very well known for headphones, um, turntables, and other things like that. Studio mics, wireless mics, all that stuff. So DJs are a part of it. Exactly. Singer, a lot of singers, a lot of vocalists of all different genres. Uh, in musicians, because you know they mic up whether it's drum mics, guitar mics, whatever the whole studio mics, thing. Yeah. Producers, yeah. it's a big thing. We actually sponsor the producer of the year award at the Junos, That's so we're sick. like the pro audio yeah. sponsor of the Junos. So for that, like, so we kind of deal with all like it, it's way more versatile this way. So in terms of how I approach it, it's a little different. With Ibanez, it was a little more rock and roll, and it was a little bit more like okay, it's a cool guitar player and it's cool a bass player and was, but it was always kind of you know rock metal blues country it was pretty much that was it is yeah, that because yeah. like yeah. Ibanez is the, the brand has decided to affiliate themselves with those genres yeah I mean every guitar is like a ta- you're not gonna see too many metal guys playing a Taylor acoustic <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> just, yeah <laughs> you know, just, just like you're not gonna see too many uh, blues guys play like uh, an Ibanez RG it's just the way it is They're, they've come synonymous with the metal thing but they also do do a good amount of country stuff a little bit of hollow bodies with the jazzes and this and that but this stuff applies to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's much more liberating and free and who you can work with. So like we literally have you guys and then like I have like an R&B singer and then I have D- two DJs and then I have um, like podcasters and I have this it, it applies to so many things. We even work with with sports guys and athletes and especially like with the earbuds and this and that it's like a whole kind of um, lifestyle thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's there's like uh, there's all kinds of different things. Make no mistake, when you see these athletes walking around with their Beats by Dre, they're not doing it for free. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, as much as they may yeah. like them. Yeah, you understand. So there's there's a lot of different types of relationships out there you have to build, and it's a little bit more versatile with this one. You have to be a bit a little bit more open minded. I've been to concerts and situations that I never thought I'd go to in this job. To, because I still insist on seeing them perform live because I'm old school in that re- regard. You want the relationship. You want the experience. Yeah, but because I don't want to give it to somebody that does studio magic, and then when they're live, it sounds like terrible. Like, Correct. Because that just makes us look bad, too. Serious, I, I do still insist on that. Like When it comes to a musician or someone who performs, I want to see them play before I give my stamp of approval because there's a whole hierarchy in our company, and even though I'm the manager of this for Canada, I do have superior. And at the end of the year, when we'll do reviews and, and such, that's the well, why did we endorse this person? What did they bring to the table? And what did we? What happened over the year? Excellent, excellent bounce-off question. What do companies expect from artists that are endorsed? Companies expect social posts and tags and this is the coolest stuff in the universe and I love it and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You should, because basically we want to yeah. encourage other people to pick right. it up to, to perform as well as us. I look at it a little bit differently in that I there is that but it's more I want it to be legitimate if somebody's doing it just because they want an endorsement deal I'm not interested I don't care if you're the biggest band in the world it's not here to just stroke your ego I'm here to build a brand right so if I'm there like trying to like satisfy someone oh well they'll give me free gear so I'll just go with them yeah until the next guy offers you free gear and you'll jump ship 
<laughs> right? Which is something that I've seen happen. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not into that, man. Like I'm not into that. Like I want people that are already passionate about the stuff that already know it and are always like into it. So then I'm like, okay, these people are in it because even without us, they're into it anyway. Exactly. So they're yeah. only going to be more encouraged if we support it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it really, really just comes down to that, man. It's, uh, I want somebody who's legit and who has, like, obviously has a reach and who is down to promote the stuff. But I also don't believe in micromanaging that. Like, I'm not going to go, did you do your post this week? Like, you know, like, I'm... It's weird. You could, but you can also text me about other things too. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like to me, it's, it's I feel like some weird teacher or something like in school. Like, did you do your homework? Can like, I do my follow up? Yeah, on this like guy. get out of here. Just like t to me, if I have to chase you to do that. There's a problem. Yeah. Because you should be doing that of your own volition. Because you're proud and happy with the gear. Yeah, right? So it's kind of like that. Like, I, I don't, if I find myself doing that, that pisses me off. <laughs> like, it's not something I want to do. So keep that in mind. I, I, it's, it's noted and recorded, so I will be reminded as I edit this as well. Um, talk to me about before you used to be with Ibanez, you would go and follow artists and uh, be on the road with them. Now you just come back from Toronto. You were at a trade show. Correct me if that's the wrong term. Um, what's the biggest difference with your position now versus following guitarists around doing clinics? It's not all sweaty metal dudes anymore. That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> except except now <laughs> yeah, I am a bit sweaty but no no but uh no no it's uh it's different man it's a different vibe i mean i still do go and do events with the artists but there's also other things that maybe we didn't do with ibanez where guitars wouldn't really apply exactly you know what yeah. i mean but so it's a bit different like i said but it's also in a sense it's a new thing that i have to learn at the same time so I'd rather have a well-rounded view of everything. Yeah. Even if I went back to a guitar company next year, I would approach it differently than I did the first time around. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the more you're kind of an accumulation of your experiences, I think. Well, you've definitely had a lot of them, and you've had a lot of them with me. Um, let's, Drunken ones. Let's, let's, let's give some people some, <laughs> some, some goods here. Um, let, let's, let's go back into the past. Um, we toured together a lot. I played my first big shows with you, um, notably when we opened for Soulfly at the Spectrum, which was is, is a classic venue that, that is no longer around here in Montreal. Do you remember arguing with Gloria? I do not. So I want, we can, <laughs> I, you know, people have been listening this long. Let, let's, let's open up and then like, like, make this less like PC. Uh, PC. I don't do PC. <laughs> I know. That's why. <laughs> uh, what happened? What, uh, what, the, we could get into some stories is basically where I'm yeah, getting okay. now. Well, if you want to talk about that one. I don't know. I remember that we were being too loud. Is that, was no, that? no. It was the price matching on the merch. No, I don't remember that. Okay, go for it. So she came to the merch table and chewed us out because we were selling our t-shirts for less. But we were like the local support band a at the time. Young local support uh, band. It was like yeah. our first big gig. Totally. And like, really? Like, <laughs> you're worried about this? As if we're gonna like sell more yeah. shirts because our, our our shirts were less than the headliner. Yeah, because the people were paying forty dollars to come see us, right? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> forty dollars, which back then was a lot. It's true. Now it's like how much you spend for a beer? Hypothetically, yeah, 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 yeah. it's crazy. Uh, 
yeah, so that's what happened that night. I remember having a big argument with her at the merch table. And then I also remember her kicking us out of backstage after the, our set. I do remember that there was a reason for that. Yeah. And that and we was don't need another not dime bag situation. Correct. Come on. <laughs> Correct. So, so they had set up like protocols. Because it was right after. It, it was, was like a year or two after. after. Yeah. yeah. Bit bit silly, but whatever. I do remember when Dimebag situation happened. Uh, you called me, right, probably, and you were like, "Did you hear what happened?" I do remember that. I would believe that I would have done that. Yes. Yeah, because we were in Three Mile at the time. Yeah, well, that was a very sad day. Yeah, I could. Well, yeah. There's actually a bit of a weird story with the dime bag thing. I don't know if I want to get into it on there. You don't have to, but I have. I have played, and I know that story. Yeah, and that's not what I was picking at. I have played that club, and I know you've been in that club as well. Yes. Uh, I, you before, and me afterwards. Um, Eerie being in that club. Very eerie. Yeah. And it was just very, the, the, the whole situation kind of rubbed me the wrong way when it happened. On more than just because of what happened at Dimebag, just because of certain personal things in that club and things there. It was just weird. I started drinking a lot of beer with you uh, because, and we might have talked about it last time, but I don't quite remember. I feel like it was just a very short snippet that I had you last time on the podcast. So we have a little bit more time now to dig into some some of our th- antics as we used to do so. So, you, you, you sure you want to do this? A little bit. I, I can edit. It Cops after, might so show up at our house. Arrest us. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go to Foofs, which is where Carnival of Death is happening, or will have had happened by the time this episode comes out. Um, the Montreal date of that. Um, so. It was a beautiful scene that we had, and I talked about it with our Adam Ryder when I had him on the podcast uh, about what was happening in the mid two thousands. Uh, the metal scene that was happening in Montreal and how we would basically meet up at Foofs. What, what are your memories of that that scene and why Foofs and everything that was going on there? My memories usually stop at 11 p.m. <laughs> on those nights. <laughs> well, you're very good at drinking lots of shots. Yeah, I was. I can still do it, but now it sucks way more uh, the day after. Brutally. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, look, there was a, there actually was a scene back then. That's just the truth. There was. There, there was, and there was actually two scenes, really. Un, call it fortunate or unfortunate, but there was. There was an anglophone scene and a francophone scene. Which is sort of silly. I, yeah. I think of it so silly because cryptopsy is so bilingual now. I find it so silly. Yeah, yeah. it's. But I'm just. I think you know, that's changed over time. Yeah, I'm saying back then, right? I don't even know if there is a scene anymore, but that's another discussion. That was altogether. my next question. But, but right now, <laughs> I'm just going to say that back then, like, yeah, there was definitely a community thing. Like, being in a band was an important thing. Being in a serious band to try to aspire to something was an important thing. It wasn't just a bunch of guys in their garage going, oh, oh, let's play a band. And, and just just for partying. They really, really, really wanted to in so yeah. many bands. Some, some got successful, varying degrees. Some didn't. Whatever. But there was something pretty cool happening at the time. And there was not just the bands. There was a community of friends around them. That was supporting was, the whole you know, scene. Good yeah. girlfriends and just the entourage and all the people and... It was just, there was a cool vibe happening at the time. And I, you know, I don't think we were able to properly appreciate it at the time. No, we were so immersed. Whenever you're like too immersed in something, you don't appreciate what's going on. Yeah. So then you look back and you're like, wow, that was pretty fucking cool. There was some crazy cool shows. There was. There was some crazy not cool shows too, but there was some crazy (laughs) cool shows. (laughs) Mike Mike and Livio, we won't talk about that show that you put on. In St. Leonard. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. What was it called, the venue? The Ritz. Was it called the Ritz? I okay. think it was called and, the and, Ritz. And there was literally no one there. Well, there was the guy climbing in the rafters there. Remember? Wasn't his name Spider or something? <laughs> <laughs> I know he wanted us to play Whiplash for some reason. Oh, yeah. That would have been good. I would have loved to see Norm do that one. 
But there's a handful of really good shows. No, no, there was. There was some Big really Metal cool. Big Metal Fest 2 at Lex. Remember that one? Yeah. That Big Metal Fest 3 at Medley. I remember that one. That was a bit more of a miss. That, like, yeah, that was, yeah. Well, there was some weird, we had a weird band member at that time. He was fun, but he was a weird band member, yes. Yeah. We had a few weird, but it was definitely, uh, yeah, there were so a lot, well, all the opening slots, right, that we got Correct. for the bigger bands. Yeah, like shout out to Dave. These guys. Shout out to Dave. He's wearing an unearthed shirt. And, uh, yeah. Dave Bushy has been on the podcast, Extensive Enterprise. Massive shout out for him. Yeah, Ivanko gave us gigs. Uh, they did, and then, of course, playing for Noel Peters in Toronto. Opening for Cryptopsy, actually, yeah, a few yeah. times. Yeah. In, in, in Toronto, thanks to Noel. Yeah. You're still living off that vibe, aren't you? I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> There was one of those nights that I was like, I guess I should say yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there was also just other gigs we did out there, too, I remember. And just all these road gigs. Hey, the Milwaukee Metal Fest. We met David Ellison. We did. We, we also met a few other interesting people along the way. It was a very interesting. It was a long drive. Oh yes, I still tell that story to this day. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it was a very long drive. It was a very long drive with a few interesting pit stops. There was nobody there at the show, though. Well, there was some, some but they put us on right after Macabre. If you remember, that is true. That is that true. Was kind of bizarre. They just brought the Milwaukee Metal Fest back this year. Jamie Jasta brought it back. He did a good job too. He I did because yeah. it wasn't, you know. Yeah. That was there was different times. Different, was different, different times. times. <laughs> but we did it. It's there. <laughs> what else did we, Yeah, there was a whole bunch of gigs, man. I I don't remember them all if I could, uh, you know what I mean? Then I, then I did like a slew of others with Catalyst and you did a slew of others with Crypto. I remember opening with Devin Townsend with, yes. with the Catalyst yeah. with you. Yeah. And the only opportunity I had to have a conversation with him was in the bathroom. And oh, yeah. because we were both in the bathroom, I was like I, I, I'm not. I'm not talking to him, and I and I didn't. You didn't do like the next like talking in the no, stall. No, no, because I hate when people do that to me. So you could have no, like stared over. I totally and compared, could have. and it's yeah. probably he probably has the same face up and down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tesseract played that show, and I remember That's they, were, right. they were goddamn good that night. They were like, very good. I was like, oh my god, who is this band? Yeah, I didn't know who they were either. They, I still listen to them. Me too. They're coming. They're coming soon. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a slew of gigs. I mean, I did. I actually did a lot of big, big, big gigs with Catalyst. I have to say, and uh, you know, like the heavy uh, MTL, heavy Toronto. Yeah. Did the uh, I did the Apocalyptica. I did all these different things. Like there was you did a lot hell of yeah, hell too. yeah. I did hell yeah with Vinnie Paul. Yeah. yeah. You also had to leave right after that show too. Oh though. yeah, and then we toured with Rex. Yes, we did. And Vinny Apiece. That is true. We killed Devil Hill, and you were on that tour. He's, he's got a knife. He does have a knife. He knows how to use it. <laughs> you know, I, I saw him the other day. Yes. He, yeah, because yeah, he went to go see Pantera in Toronto. And here. So, yeah, so I was with Zach, and yeah. then, like, so Rex was there, and I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> I was still like, he's got a knife. <laughs> he knows how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. But he is, hey, he's Rex, man. He's fucking Rex. What do you want to say? Hell fucking he's Rex. Rex. Uh, back so. to those Foofs nights. We, we would basically go to Foofs on Friday nights, and we would consume copious amounts of alcohol. But then my favorite part always was, with you guys, was going to eat afterwards. Ah. And food as like a communal wrap-up session was, first off, a great hangover cure, because you're going to put a bunch of like... Fatty, greasy food into you. Yeah. Before going to bed. But there was always this like communal, like after 
sit down together. I think that was something that I really appreciated. It was cool, man. It was kind of like the wrap up of the night. It was amazing. However, yeah. I wonder whose idea it was to keep going for Asian food because we did that often. Was it me? I like Asian uh, food. Olivia too, I think. Yeah, I like. Asian but we always food. ended up in New Dynasty, right? So because it started the, the food always when we started at Three Miles Scream, I would always want to go to McDonald's. Oh yeah, well that's where we got introduced to a few people. Correct. The very first time. And, Correct. Yeah. Um, but uh, just getting back to the the thing for a second because you talked about like those nights of drunk drinking and then going to go eat and I'm like saying with the Asian thing like I distinctly remember well kind of remember going to that restaurant after copious alcohol and then puking like rice <laughs> all over a parking meter <laughs> So, well, the, the, had you not puked, it would have stayed in you, and the alcohol would have fermented even more. Yeah, but the rice soaks it up like, exactly. like the water so just out of like a cell phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so just like, <laughs> out of you. Yeah. Just get out of here. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, the McDonald's thing, that's where we first met... Uh, well, guy I played with for many years, guy and other guys that we became very good friends with for a very long time. Who also had on a Mad Origin Story yes. uh, episode. Big Metal James, shout out to you. Shout out to G, too. G. Al. True, Al Bubrahakis, uh, Heartbeat Hot Sauce. People go check out heartbeathotsauce.com. Uh, use the promo code VOXHOPS. 15, you'll save 15% off of your entire purchase. Do it, support the podcast, and get some crazy good hot sauce that, from our friend Al, who's killing it. I was actually on his website today. He's killing it. He's the promo code. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I get a kickback and he gets some hot sauce. There you go. You can do it. <laughs> his inflame sauce looks pretty cool. It's good. It's spicy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it uh, it pretty, it's cool. pretty hot compared to some of the other ones. He's yeah, got. yeah. yeah. I, I'm just about finished the bottle. I'm very close to uh, writing Al for a new package. No, no, no. So many people from the scene have gone on to do amazing things. Uh, why do you think now, as you mentioned before, is there a scene? Are, are we just so out of it that we don't know if there's a scene? Maybe there is, but uh, like I could tell you that you know certain like friends of ours that are still involved in terms of promoting and Correct. shows and stuff. Yeah. They come and they tell me, "Oh, this show's coming," and I'm like, "Who's the and who's opening or whatever?" And I'm like, I hear these names. I'm like, "Huh." Like I, I, and maybe they're great. I don't know. They could be fantastic bands, but I'm just like, either I'm old and out of the loop, or there's just no, there's no buzz. I, I don't know what it is. So I'm not gonna claim it's one or the other. But it just like I feel like I, it used to be more known. Like the bands that would play would be like, oh yeah, they're playing. Oh yeah, they're playing. It was kind of like a. I don't know if it's because we were just so into it, and we had the community that was there, uh, and we were definitely aware of the English French um, two scenes. Like the, that's where Chris. I remember the first time I first heard of Chris before as a producer. There was this band, uh, Mythosis Minds. And the, one of the first Mythosis shows had kids lined up, and you were like, this is a band we got to pay attention to. Yeah, I think I said that. That sounds right. I remember that back in the day. I also remember sending the Agonists to Chris for their first album. Correct. So, yeah, that was a which, long time ago. Which led them to get signed, because when Chris records a band, he likes to show people his mixes, and he showed it off. To life um, from Central Media back in the day, and boom, there you go, a record contract. Oh, one of my favorite memories uh, is playing a pea field, bean field, bean field, bean, not pea, bean. Get it right. <laughs> one of my favorite memories was playing <laughs> a bean field. Yeah, uh, in Leamington, Ontario. Oh yeah, 
I've recently reconnected with Jessica. Oh, from, really? from Bloodshot Eye on social media. And um, what an interesting experience having stages set up. I can't remember what it was called. The festival. There I don't remember name. either. It was something Metal Fest. I don't remember. I just remember debauchery and the next morning just chaos. Like <laughs> we went, to, we found a breakfast joint though, which was awesome. Yeah, wasn't that the place? No, no, that was another place. Sorry, I thought it was a place where Alex got up on the table and it was a teacup. That was that was Hooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my first experiences touring, doing anything outside of Montreal was with you. This is a funny one. Do you remember the van that we had? And we were going on tour with Kanai and Bloodshot Eye, uh, who I was just talking about. And we had a van, but I brought so much stuff. You had all this stuff, like, like, like Ziploc bags. And <laughs> I had a grilled like, cheese maker, but that was yeah, a good idea. The, yeah, dude, the grilled cheese maker. <laughs> to this day, I tell the stories about that wedding hall. <laughs> Which is also in Leamington, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why does it smell like grilled cheese? It was me. It was you. Was like in the cup, hallway. cup of soups and grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah. I, I basically still do that. But with like a blender making my smoothies in the morning. We played there with 14 bands. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was Dismata, yeah. which, which I'm still friends with. To the, Those guys to, are to beasts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was definitely like there were these old white ladies working the wedding hall, but like serving the drinks because, and they were just like, what's going on? And there were mosh pits on like the carpets. It was a good show. It was a good show. <laughs> Except we got there at 2 p.m. and we played at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. That adds up. So, I was pretty drunk by the time I got on stage. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Something that happened um, that I used to always say, I guess I'm like an eternal doubter, and I'm not sure we mentioned this last time, but it might have fell into that thematic of that, and I apologize if listeners have listened to both. It's um, when Randy came to hang out with us because he was producing uh, Bloodshot Eye as vocals, and he came to our jam room. And I was always like an eternal doubter of like, is Three Mile Scream gonna make it? Like I, I've, I guess I have that in me that I never believe things until it happens. And I remember we were going to do a photo shoot in the basement for our first album, A Prelude to Our Demise, and in the basement of Cité d'Armille, which no band has ever done. So many bands have done that. Yeah. Uh, and Randy was at Jam that day, and we had like jammed yeah. with him, and he got up and screamed with us on Our Black and Sun. And uh, as we're leaving the jam room and we're going downstairs to do the photo shoot for our first album, you turn to me and go, Matt, do you believe me now that we're going to make it? And I feel like that's a moment that's really stuck with me that like 
first off, what what is making it right? Yeah. Um, but the connectivity and the putting work in, because Three Mile was a band that worked hard, constantly. We jammed three to four times a week religiously and if we missed the jam it was a big thing it was like you had to have like a real reason because we put the work in and we cared that's right but that's see when i have people that come in like i tell these stories to people and i talk you know about the people ask me about the old days and i'll tell them but then they don't believe and they're they, they they think like you oh aren't you lucky it's like no not lucky. <laughs> no, we really put the work yeah, in. Yeah, you busted ass like crazy. And like while everybody else was going out and having a good time and doing this, we were doing this. It's true. And we, so had we had a good time. had a great time. A great time. But that's what I'm saying is that we didn't go the conventional route. No, we didn't. And no. so by doing that, that work resulted in that. Had we not done that work, that stuff wouldn't have ever happened. I would have never, never met any of the people that I met. I was very shy. Fisherman hat. The fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up to the first jam wearing a fisherman hat. Yeah. And then I remember Alex came to me and go, are you serious? I'm like, just let the kids sing. Let them sing. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was a good, clean singer at the time. I was learning how to scream. And it was really through experiences with you guys that I became a much more proficient extreme vocalist. I've, I've listened to, to some of the earlier demos that we have, and I cringe at my harsh vocals. <laughs> takes time to, to, to get good, right? So you got to put the, but you got to practice the four days a week practicing. Yeah, and just it helped. Just get better, man. It's like, who's a wizard right away? I mean, yeah, they, they do exist, but they probably have people. horrible social skills. Though. Yeah, exactly. They know they know a basement and their guitar, right? Which you know, it's cool. I can appreciate it, but at the same time, it's like, nah, man. You just you put in the work, put in the work. That's what it is. And on, honestly, and I said this on another podcast that I got interviewed on. Talent is talent. But you you can teach, you can help somebody become better. How many drummers did we coach? Quite a few. Quite a few. How many drummers did we have to, like, and I'm just using drummers as an example because everyone picks on drummers. But the reality is, is, like, we coached a lot of them. And we, we, we you know, we got other people that came in and out of the band throughout time, we made them better. We pushed them to do. You make a person better. You can't make someone a better person. No, you can't. No, that's, that's, that's the... Yeah, so... I, I, for me, I've always put like 80% on is the guy a cool hang? Yeah. Can and, I live with this guy? And 20% on his ability. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, if he lacks a little bit here, we'll get him there. But is he a cool hang? Or a guy could come in and be a wizard, but I want to kill him. Which we've had experiences yeah, with. And I, I don't want to deal with that. You exactly. Know what I mean? I, his, his ability is not worth the, the trade off. True. So I think I, it's really important that yeah, yeah. for any musicians listening that are putting stuff together, just because they're the best in the city doesn't mean you want to hang out with them. No. And when you're on the road, man, you don't have a home to go to, a job to go to, a girlfriend to go to. A this. To, There's no decompression. It, yeah, it's you and these dudes, maybe a girl in the band, who knows. But that's it. So you better get along. Otherwise, things are going to end up bad, and you're going to end up in arguments in Toronto in a basement. It's never happened to us. <laughs> I 
Um, <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's funny that he, that member joining the band is directly linked to that Soulfly show, which we talked about earlier. But also not talking about that. Yeah. Let's not. <laughs> Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, yeah. very happy that I have you in my life. I'm happy that I met you probably 23, 24 years ago at this point. 23 years ago, easily. You still haven't wised up yet, huh? We have. <laughs> a little bit. We're drinking a light beer. We're I not know. doing um, our age in vodka shots. No. Yeah, you remember that one. Huh? I do remember yeah. that one. It was multiple years. <laughs> it was 27. <laughs> and then there was more after. Yes. Yeah. That was a nice. And I tell people that story and they say, bullshit, you'd be dead. I'm like, really? I did it. You did it. Yeah. You're alive. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were all counting. I don't know yeah. how we kept track, but. Yeah. It was lots of fun. It was. I'm, I appreciate having you in my life. I'm very stoked that we have this new relationship aside from our friendship uh, as, an, as an artist, as a podcast with Audio Technica. I greatly, greatly appreciate you. I'm happy that we're hanging out right here at Melon. Uh, my beer is empty, so I want to get a new one. Uh, so we're going to keep hanging out, with, not with Vox and Hobbs heads listening. No, just Hobbs. People go check out Audio Technica. They make good stuff. Salute. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the that I love and appreciate that. Man, I had such a good time connecting with my very good friend, Mike Marino. Uh, we've been friends forever. So goddamn stoked that he uh, helped Cryptopsy, helped Vox and Hops level up with Audio-Technica products. Uh, I'm using the mic right now for the podcast uh, that he gave me. I'm loving it, the AT2040. It's a hypercardioid dynamic microphone. It feels amazing. It sounds amazing. I'm so goddamn stoked. Massive, massive cheers to Mike Marino. Um, I can't thank you enough, dude. I'm so stoked that we got to hang out here. I'm stoked that we hung out after I stopped recording. Always a pleasure to see you. Can't wait to see you again. Massive, massive cheers and lots of love, bud. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Total Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will also get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. You will also get to hear about anything going on in the world of Cryptopsy and the a lot of stuff going on with Cryptopsy right now, so the mailing list will keep you up to date on that. You will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently, and you will get to see which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. If ever you're looking for new music to listen to, well, Jerry finds the best new releases and puts them all onto the Brutal Awakenings playlist for our listening pleasure. So check it out. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's always a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound, Telemedia, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week with one episode on Tuesday, and it's a whole wrap-up episode all about Cryptopsy's Carnival of Death tour. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. 
Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.